future. Yeah. 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 Serenity. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't it Mandarin that they did in yeah. Serenity? No, 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 what's it say on your back? What's it say on your back? Sweet sour chicken. Sweet sour chicken. And welcome, folks, to Geek Shock Special Edition What to Watch. I am Master Torgo. Anybody else want to chime in here? <laughs> Sorry. She's giving to... me the stink <laughs> eye over here for saying her tattoo. Oh, that's it's a great song. Chicken yes. Master oh, all by himself. Just Sorry. me today, folks. I'm yes. going to lead you. <laughs> Ladies, uh, Jeff is here, and this is this is my this uh, is Doctor right Commander K, Deb, <laughs> and yes, today it's going to be a lot like our game show where we were talking about our formative years and what games made us the geeks we are. Well, this is the TV shows and movies that made us the geeks we are. We want to get you thinking about what made you the geek that you are. So, Barry, what made you you? What'd you watch that just profoundly fucked you up? Two dogs fucking. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Commander K, how about you? Phrase that no. correctly. Alrighty. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what really made me who I am. Um, what really influenced me, and I went on and on about this movie for the longest time, and I watched it when I was younger. John Carpenter's classic, Big Trouble oh. in Little China. That did it we for you. Oh, big man. Trouble. <laughs> You know, he did the movie music. I know he did. Too. Okay, this movie has it all, man. It's got Kurt Russell. It's got Kung Fu. It's got... Magic. It, magic. I think I've only seen that movie on TV, so it's been, like, cut and oh, edited. we're watching it. <laughs> we're uh, watching this film. Special edition on the shelf, Jack. It's a great... <laughs> um, it's a great movie. I even dressed up like him, like David Lopan, for Halloween once. <laughs> you used to post as Lopan on your website, too. Yeah. <laughs> I love this character so much. I don't know what it is. It just captured my imagination. And I always wanted there to be, like, a role-playing game. It, there could be a source book China. out there online. Someone might have written it. Yeah. They might have. It'd be like a one-shot game, and that'd be pretty You get to drive the Pork Chop Express all over the map. <laughs> so what is it about this that, that formed you, then? Like, what, where, where did that just go? I don't know. It just captured my imagination. Just, I, okay, really, so I really dug this film a lot. your head. And uh, you know what it is? It's not, it's not so much this film. I, I, I digress. It's not this film. It's John Carpenter's imagination, really. Hmm. It's this film. It's... I think maybe it's just Egg Chen. His Apocalypse um, trilogy as well. Yeah, it's it's uh, Prince of Darkness. Yeah, sp- that film. It's the thing. It's John Carpenter films. Really. Yeah, all right. Um, it's something about John Carpenter's films that just really capture the imagination. They definitely uh, push the envelope. They, yeah. they. I mean, especially for the times that they were. And most of them, at least in my humble opinion, still hold up today. They absolutely do. They don't need a lot of special effects, although the special effects are top-notch. Yeah. Um, even for the time. I mean, um, you look at the thing, the, anim- yeah. the, you know, the, oh, the, the animatronics that they did. Bob Some Bo- of those still creep me out. They yeah, creep Bob Bottin's effects in that are, are still, to this day, adored by the industry. Um, Prince of Darkness creeps me the hell out. Out. You will should. never watch no, that film. I know. Never, never. watch that film. I don't think I've film. ever actually watched a John Carpenter film. You will never sleep the fuck again. <laughs> never. You will never sleep again. You watch that film. Um, what was the other good one he did? Uh, didn't he do uh, Halloween? Escape from. Did he do Escape from, Escape from New York? <clears throat> yes. Yes, New York did. And LA? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Those are classics. Yeah. You want Snake Plissken? 
Yep. I thought Classic. you were dead. Also Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Yes. 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 Yeah. Kurt Russell was a became a badass because of Escape from New York. Now, my friend Justin, Justin Bryan, there are certain films you cannot watch with this man because he will quote them for one month afterward. <laughs> He's one of these people. Like, it's an ad uh, infinitum, huh? <laughs> like uh, Monty Python. You can't watch yeah. that film. Love that, well, Holy like, Grail. Is yeah, Holy favorite. Grail. You can't watch it. No. He'll quote it for a month afterward. You cannot watch Escape from L.A. I, I or think Escape we from all know somebody like that. Actually. Yeah, he's one of these people, <laughs> and this is one of those films you can't watch with him. That's a good film. Yeah. It's like that. And the Big Trouble in Little China is one of those. It and a lot of John Carpenter films are like that. And so John Carpenter films, i got to say, especially Big Trouble from Little China, are one of those films that have truly influenced me and made me the geek I am today. A better geek. So thank you, John Carpenter, for making those films. And that movie didn't do well when it came out at all. It yeah. was considered a flop. But yeah. yeah. Cult, yeah. cult but, classics. But yeah, yeah, now fully embraced, you bet. Yeah. All right, Kirsten. There you go. All right. Um, well, last week I mentioned the, the confluence of events when I was 13 that made me into a real fantasy geek. Prior to that, I was a science fiction geek. And a lot of that had to do with my mother's influence. She gave me Isaac Asimov books, Robert A. Heinlein books, nice all sorts book. of science fiction that I um, <clears throat> that I used to read, and of course, I grew up on Star Trek and uh, and Star Wars. Although I will argue that Star Wars is more fantasy than science fiction, Star Wars really changed things for me when I was a kid. But I figured those were the obvious answers. Right. True. Star, Star so, Wars is a gimme. Yeah, you know. So I'm going to go with first off the science fiction movie, the original Day the Earth Stood Still. Nice. Okay. Now this was uh, this was um, um, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, Robert Wise's uh, uh, directed it. Yep. He also directed Star Trek: The Motionless Picture. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really it was really interesting because um, Wise he's not exactly a sci-fi director, but he had enough feel for sci-fi that I make the joke about the motionless picture. But I also comment, in my opinion, uh, the original Star Trek: The Motion Picture was probably the most science fiction movie of the Star Trek franchise you're, in you're terms right. of in terms of science fiction in terms of actual ideas in terms of really thinking about something right um and that production was plagued with problems yes yeah even even to the the, the actual shipment of the film canisters to the theaters it, it, it's I mean, it's <laughs> like there was i don't know like a Star Wars gremlin or something yeah. haunting that movie but the original day the earth stood still um it it actually had a lot of the hallmarks of the old 50s science fiction. Um, <clears throat> the, 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 the cliched use of the theremin. The, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the exactly. That, um, that actually started with uh, Day the Earth Stood Still. I love, of course, Gort, the robot. That's like my favorite icon of the robot. I remember Klaatu coming out in the silver suit. I like silver suited. Spaceman. The whole thing really just was really profound on me as a child watching that. And I just love that movie. Plus, there's the fact that it actually had some thought. Thinking about, you know, humanity driving itself to destruction. And uh, the whole concept of this alien culture being, okay, we're fine with you guys destroying yourselves. But now that you've launched satellites into space, as soon as you take this shit off of your world and into our territory, we're going to burn you to a cinder unless you clean yourselves up. So that whole concept, it, uh, that, had a, that had a real effect on me. 
as a kid, just in terms of thinking about science fiction, thinking about, you know, people in general. Um, in terms of standing up today, I mean, it's a classic, but yeah, a lot of the younger generation, I don't know, can really tolerate that kind of... Uh, kind of movie because it is a, it is a slower paced even though it has it action elements and now so much of what it started and established in science fiction movies have, has become cliche so you know but that movie is one of the major formative ones for me nice. yeah it's definitely a, yeah a film where the story is the star and not the effects which is unfortunately yes. where a lot of movies today have gotten to yeah it's it's no longer, you know, about a good, solid film. It's about how much flash can we put up on the screen to attract people into the theaters. And then, uh, well, story, we don't need a story. Mm -hmm. All right. style, no substance. All right, well, the one I got for you, I think we can all agree with. Frightmare, huh? <laughs> yeah. Frightmare. Frightmare. <laughs> Sweet. Tweet? Uh, no. What? All right, Frightmare. I would have thought Creep what? Show. What, what is or, Frightmare? Uh... I don't even know this one. <laughs> uh, no, very few will. This is a movie that I've only seen 1.5 times in my life, <laughs> and yet is a very formative film in my history. Frightmare is a movie from 1983 okay. about this kind of Vincent Price esque character who uh, also has a bit of. Uh, 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 who did who did War of the Worlds? Uh, Orson Welles uh, went to him, where he's at the end of his Wells. life and career, and and just drinking himself and and causing problems on sets and being drunk, and he's becoming a mean, angry, evil person. He dies. A bunch of kids go into his tomb where he set up this whole Trixie thing with this video screen that comes on saying don't mess with me he comes back to life and kills the teenagers basically is what it comes down to a throwaway horror film of the early 80s was also my very first horror film of the early 80s now I, I, like you I grew up in a uh, religious household that had various stages of religion to it this was at a time when my mother found herself in a, a very a very not nearly a Pentecostal, but getting close to a church. All right, so very, very fundamentalist. Yeah. All right, so this, this kind of stuff is very taboo. My friend just got HBO, and he come over. And he's like, all right, tonight there's a move, scary movie. I'm going to watch it, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm not allowed to watch scary movies. This is this is <laughs> not what I'm, I can do. He's like, no, I'm going to watch it. I won't tell anybody. My, my mom won't tell your mom that you're watching it. So come on. Sounds oh like, boy! Like me growing up. So we go to there, and and they're, they're coming in the blankets, and this this thing's going. The thing that I remember most about this movie was the guy looking over the corpse of the guy, the the Vincent Price character, not played by Vincent Price, by the way, reaches up and grabs the guy's tongue and starts pulling it out of his mouth, and that's. That ingrained and would not allow me to sleep that evening. <laughs> <laughs> and he had this whole thing at the end about how I will see all of you in hell and, and so on, talking to the viewer and, and the drinks here are a little warm for my taste, but uh, it's all right and so on. And I tried, I tried so hard to say, you know what, there, there is a, a, a religious story in this. 
that has to do with the life of an evil person going to hell and, and the good people not following. And I tried, tried so hard to convince myself that it was a good thing that I watched this religiously. But this film started me down a long path. Then I found Nightmare on Elm Street, and I found Friday the 13th. And if I hadn't watched this film, who knows? If we would have watched instead, say, oh, I don't know, Donner's Superman again, <laughs> that, that this whole horror thing around me may never have happened. <laughs> wow. Wow. From a shitty movie to all these DVDs. And Frightmare is available for instant viewing on Netflix. Hence the point five, because I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> Put it this way. Troma currently owns the rights. Oh, wow. But, uh, Troma. How about you, Jeff? What you got? Uh, well, I mean, the obvious one is Star Trek, because Star-, Star Trek influenced my life a lot. You know, watching it on our old color console television and... That was truly my intro into sci-fi. But uh, I'm going to go in a, a slightly different direction. And uh, and where did I put that? I uh, would have to say that one of the films that truly influenced me as a geek was the original Superman, the Richard Donner Superman. <laughs> now, I, now, I could, I could watch that instead. Yeah. No, no, here we go. I could have been you. <laughs> now, now, the Dear reason, God, man. No, the no, reason I say this, no. there's a reason for this. When, that, when I saw that movie for the first time, I hadn't really read a lot of comic books. Okay. In fact, I could probably count on one hand the number of comic books I had read at that point. Seeing that movie and then going, oh, this is based on a comic book that's been around for like 30 years? suddenly triggered in me, I need to go start reading comic books. Because at that time in my life, you know, because I grew up in the Midwest, very Bible belty, not a lot of my friends were reading comic books at that time. So I started going out and, you know, we'd go to garage sales. My mom would take me to garage sales. And I would find these big, long boxes full of comic books. And they were like five for a nickel or something like that, or you know, or like twenty for a quarter. Just it really depended on whether that person was wanting to just get rid of them. So I would go, "Hey, mom, I've got a dollar. Can I buy a bunch of these comic books?" And she's like, "Yeah, that's fine." And that's how you got all the dazzlers. No, I <laughs> I actually ended up with a lot of Daffy Duck, and no, sorry, not Daffy Duck, Donald Duck. And yeah, Scrooge, Scrooge comics, oh, uh, Scrooge and the nephews always going out on their wild adventures, which you know later on turns into the whole Ducktales thing, which I loved. Which <laughs> yeah, hey, who didn't love Ducktales? But uh, but that's why I say Superman, just because. And and ironically, I became more of a Batman fan as I really truly got into comic books. All of my friends, as I got older, were huge Superman nuts. Like it's all. No, Superman's the greatest superhero, and I'm like, screw that. Batman could take Superman any day of the week, but uh, that is why I say Superman, just because that was my gateway Hi. drug into comic books. Yeah, I get that. So that's the nice. only reason that I say that. And the movie still holds up fairly well today. Yeah, I mean, except for the turning around time thing. But well, sure, yeah, yeah sure. There, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, okay, Deb, what you got? Well, like Jeff, again, my first thing was Star Trek, but it was not so much the movies as Next Generation when it came on. But I would say after that, it probably, because I was, 
after that, I was all I was doing was Star Trek, reading Star Trek and doing Star Trek. It was Star Trek. But when Buffy the Vampire Slayer came on, I was in high school. Yeah. When that started to air. And I think that really got me into a yeah. lot of the fantasy stuff. Uh, oh, you, yeah. you and Barry both. Barry's very, very he influenced by it. <laughs> I was in college the second time when Buffy came out. <laughs> he hates I love that show just because, I don't know, it's, it's my personality. I'm very much like I love the powerful woman characters. Oh, it's fun. It's, it it's yeah. fun and it's poignant. It's uh, what the, the basic concept. What more bigger hell is there than high school? Pretty much. Why not put a poor one? Incredibly well written show. Well, high school sucked. Well, it didn't suck for me, but (laughs) junior high was worse. But high school, I mean. Sucked for me. Yeah. But, you know, if you showed an interest, I was reading fantasy novels and Star Trek novels. And Mm -hmm. anytime anybody saw those things that, you know, Mm. you got shit for You are the other. Yeah, yeah. you got shit for it. Xander was the most relatable character on that show for me. Willow was the most relatable to Barry, so. (laughs) (laughs) the hair it's another hair knock in wow. i would say another a film when i was younger Fucked a lot of yeah. a film that i really well and it was you know a, a film that brought a lot of new things out was jurassic park the original okay because i was junior high maybe all right when that movie came out and i just remember going to the theater and having you know the dolby digital like the first time that mm-hmm. the the surround sound oh yeah all you know just the special effects just the digital effects in that movie. I, well, I used to work at a movie theater yeah. when that was out. And I would always time my break for the T-Rex scene. That re- scene was just long enough that they, for my break, once I knew that scene was done, I could go back to work. But I would not miss that scene. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I saw that movie at least four times. At least four times in the theater. It was just awesome. And after that, after that if any movie didn't you know, kind of do that same type of thing... Just wasn't good. You're like me. You know, I just I just watched uh, Jurassic Park again recently. It was on uh, HBO HD, and I gotta say that the, the original one still holds up. Except and, for the kids, they drove me insane. Well, the kids were oh, a I little. Oh, I killed them both. <clears throat> yeah. Well. And I was that's... there. I was around their age. When that that's, movie came out, and I could have killed her. I swear to God. You know that drawback whole... to most movies is the kids always seem to get themselves into the most trouble and and have to be gotten out of it. And that boy that was in that show is that was that, is now in a the Social Network movie. Really? Is he really? It? Yes, he is. Wow. wow. All right, Barry. What else you got? Airwolf. Airwolf. <laughs> no, not Airwolf. <laughs> Christ. Team oh, Wolf? I was gonna what? go. I was gonna go grab my helicopter out of them. Teen Wolf. You have an Airwolf? I do. He does. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was kidding. You, I've you're shown serious? you this before. <laughs> you do not remember things. You got it no. at Comic Con, right? Uh, no, it was actually a birthday gift oh, okay. a few years ago from uh, That's actually Darren and cool. Darren Does it and have Dave. a little Jan Michael Vincent it's, in there, drugged up, yeah, and dead? Yeah. It's, it's, it's motorized, too, the, the, the prop oh, spin. Wow. Is Ernest Borgnine in there? Well, you can't see into the back of oh, it, so okay. it, there could be a little Ernie Borgnine in there. Okay. I, um, little TV for you. Little TV. Um, Robotech from Cross Saga. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, I loved the Macross saga. I absolutely loved it because it was cartoons, but it was not anything like any of the American crap that was on. I can't stand any of the Hanna-Barbera stuff. I didn't <laughs> like any of the... Uh, Scooby friggin' Doo, dude. Uh, Tom and Jerry, dude. Garbage, garbage, garbage. Hey. Scooby-Doo was awesome. Garbage. Yogi Bear Drawn like garbage. 
Drawn like crap. Which Hazel? Drawn, drawn like crap. Didn't like the way it looked. Didn't like the way they moved. Didn't like the writing. Wacky races? Crap, crap, crap. Huckleberry Great Bait, Hound? Suck it. Huckleberry Hound? Suck it. Didn't like Thunder of the Barbarian. Didn't like any of that. Kong, Kong, anyway. Fuck you. Suck it. Kong, Kong, this right here. here. Move on. Anyway. Um, <laughs> didn't like it. Didn't care for it as a kid. Don't care for it now. No nostalgia for it. Sorry. Josie and the Pussycats. Don't like it. Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt. Jam and the Holograms. Jam and the Holograms. Come on now. I've heard you sing that song. I do like them. (laughs) (laughs) But they were not influential. Your argument is invalid. (laughs) My Arrows of Bird argument is invalid. Um, I liked uh, Robotech because the style was so different and it was a little more serious than than the other stuff. Uh, than the, some of the American stuff. And then from there, it was kind of a gateway to liking, like, G.I. Joe and some of the more, how do I say, like, you know, like Galaxy Rangers. Okay. And uh, Jason the Wheeled Warriors and things like that. <laughs> Spiral <laughs> Zone. Wheeled Warriors. Yeah, now we're going to get into all the cool, like, war-type uh uh, things like that, but that it, that was the gateway to liking all these other more seriousy uh, type of um, anime. And yeah, at the same time, you're not really an anime fan. I'm not really an anime he, fan. He doesn't like anime. I don't like anime at all. But uh, somewhere, somewhere in the early '80s, I think anime went one direction that I didn't like. But I liked the Robotech Macross Saga. Okay. I think it's different. The, the Macross Saga is different than this crazy anime shit that you see now. You know? But like Ghost in the Machine? Ghost in the Machine is different. Ghost in the Machine is good. The stuff that, like, Vampire Dragon Ball Z. Vampire Hunter D. Vampire Hunter Pokemon. D. Pokemon. Bullshit. Sailor Moon. Bullshit. Monster Hunter F. Who? <laughs> and you're making things up now. <laughs> see, that's garbage. Well, duh. He is Torgo. Ghost, Ghost Machine, good stuff. Um, I think that was the first anime I saw. Torgo the Fibba. That's good stuff. It's also uh, the first police album I listened to. Uh, standalone well, Complex, Princess Mononoke. good stuff. Have you ever seen Princess Mononoke? I actually haven't seen that. Oh my oh, god. That one's good. I like that one. But I loved... Uh, I still like watching Rick Hunter, and I don't like anything with Min May. Uh, <laughs> I think she's annoying as hell. <laughs> That's, That's where the other anime went with Min May. Yeah, the Minmay story. It's all that. So I, I really like the Macross Saga. All right. I, think it was, I think it was really good. All right, Kirsten, give me another. Marshall, Will, and Hobbit. Really? <laughs> really? I, as a kid in the 1970s, passionately loved Land of the Lost. And it was really funny because the, the, especially the first season was actually really crazy science fiction. Did they redo that show? They redid it in like the 80s or 90s. Okay, which was, I remember. Yeah, and that one was awful because they, they jettisoned all the wacky science oh, and they, fiction. And they did it on like Saturday morning. Right, yeah, and it was a Saturday morning in the yes. 70s. Okay. But that, that, that uh, show, I mean, it's known for the hideous effects because you, know, you had your puppet Tyrannosaurus Rex you had the, the, they were experimenting with uh, uh, green screen chroma key uh, uh, overlays and it was they were really really experimenting but 
the stories were very science fictional. They were in a pocket dimension separated in time with aliens from space, dinosaurs, people from the Civil War, all sorts of things coming back. They, they had people like David Gerald, who wrote the Trouble with Tribbles episode okay. for the original Trek, right. who was the creative consultant in that first se season. And they would talk about things like closed reality loops. Like there was a scene where in one episode where they're standing on a mountain and they're looking through some binoculars and they're actually staring at their backs because this universe is so finite and so tiny, the binoculars actually loop around and see their backs. And they were exploring, they're exploring science fictional concepts like that in a Saturday morning show. The whole little crystals things affecting and controlling the environment, the pylons where you went in to secure the crystals, the skylons, which were the little doodads that flew in the air to tell you what was wrong with the pocket dimension and what you needed to do to fix it. It was, it was extraordinarily cool. Um, the writing was very strange. There was, uh, Will and Holly were brother and sister in that series, and they fought all the time. Imagine a Saturday morning TV show where you had a brother and sister physically fighting. There were, well, that there wouldn't were, fly today. Every, every single week, Rick Marshall, the father, is physically pulling them apart because they're actually <laughs> going at each other. It, 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 was, it was very different from anything you would expect for Saturday morning. So it had a lot of cheesiness and, and a lot of low value, but there was so much about it that was actually kind of revolutionary for television as well as for Saturday morning that it made a huge effect on me. As Gerald's um, influence waned the latter seasons, it actually got worse. It, it actually became true to its cheese. became and, the, the Chaka stories. Uh, yeah, you know, the Chaka stories and then really weird, villainy-type people. And it, it was no longer a full-on uh, exploration of ideas, which that got kind of sad. But uh, that first season especially was, was incredible. And I absolutely just loved Land of the Lost. And what now, happened in the end? Um, actually, um, I, you know what? I, um, I think it was canceled and they didn't resolve it, if I remember correctly. I may, I may actually be remembering wrong. The father gets lost. Um, and I think it's the second or third season, uh, the father doesn't come back. And so they open the credits with a montage showing the father getting lost in time and their uncle Jack, who went looking for them, appears I kind of remember dimension. that now. And he, he appears, and so Uncle Jack is there. They lose their cave, and they actually have to move into a lost city. So it was, it was very radical in terms of their storytelling. Um, it was really weird. It was really weird. But Interesting. It, 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 yeah, I actually have the DVD sets. Um, it was really funny. One uh, Star Trek convention, uh, as me, I walked up to David Gerald, and I was just like, you know, I just wanted to say one of my favorite things is Land of the Lost. And I guess his, his experiences from that are not very positive. Because <laughs> he gave me... A look, and then, <laughs> then then gave me a very strange smile, and went thank you, and and turned away and utterly dismissed me. So <laughs> he, uh, he obviously he obviously was not happy with how things went in the end. But I have his business card somewhere. I waited on him at uh, at Corks 
back yeah, in the day. Yeah, no, I, I remember his visit, and I was so looking forward to I was buying a book for Jared that uh, he had written about writing for Star Trek, and I mentioned that, and boom! So I, <laughs> wow. Down. Yeah, it was so. But Land of the Lost, the original. All right, now it's, I, I grew up in the theater, basically, you know, my degrees in theater, I've done theater all my life. You can't be in the theater without tussling with the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right. Oh, boy. Now, <laughs> now, it's not the pageantry. It's not the costuming. It's not throwing shit in the air that really drew me to this. It's the fact that people were shouting shit at the screen, and <laughs> the shit was funny, that it worked with what was going on the screen and made fun of it and created a whole different form of entertainment. Subgenre. And then, all of a sudden, there's this gentleman that came out of nowhere, out of Minneapolis, called Joel Hodgson, that creates Mystery Science Theater, the televised version of this whole idea. If you don't know Mystery Science Theater, it is a full-length movie, usually from the 50s, bad sci-fi horror, which him and his two puppet robots are making fun of the movie all the way through. So yep. essentially, them doing a comedy commentary over the film. So not only did I get a film every week in a genre that I enjoy, horror, comedy, blah, 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 but I also got great comedy that go along with it. And this show went on with Mike Nelson for many, many seasons, and yep. it is the only thing I've ever known that I've had, you know, I've spent a ridiculous amount of money to get everything. Now, was it always movies, or did they ever do old, like, classic TV? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Almost all cases, it was movies, but they did things like Master Ninja, starring Lee Van Cleef and Timothy Van, Van Patten. Never heard of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Most I saw of the it in stuff Kuwait. There, there were sometimes little, little like, mini-series, like, or, or, or TV shows that were farmed out and never made it. That got compiled into a quote-unquote movie that ended up on on MST, and and then of course they would riff on it for being it's like it was a TV movie. It's like oh I don't know what you're talking about. So not only are you watching a bad movie, you're watching a bad movie with assholes talking over it. Yeah, but funny witty assholes. <laughs> yeah. You know I I I I, I, still... I never understood this. <laughs> I never is, get this phenomenon. Todd is the one that actually got me. Uh, Hooked on. It's like, shut up! MST. I'm trying to watch this horrible movie. But that's just it. <laughs> you, you didn't want to watch these movies without a guide, and these people were your guide. It's so influence upon my life that the most notorious episode of all time is going to be Manos, Hands of Fate. Sure, oh, yeah, well, that. Who uh. starred the uh, villain slash hero Torgo, uh, who served the master, hence my name, Master Torgo based off this shitty movie made by fertilizer salesmen that no one even fucking knew existed until these people brought it to full prominence. And now you can go out there and see uh, the musical version yep. of Manos wow. Hands of Fate. Wow. Okay, point of order, sir. Yes. Um, a guide. A guide would be a commentary. A commentary like Billy Bob What's-His-Face. The guy that makes fun of the movie while he's oh, watching it oh. during I Spit on Your Grave? Yeah. Yes. What's his name? Uh, uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Joe Bob yeah, Briggs. Yeah. 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 Billy Bob, whatever. Joe Billy Bob, Bob Briggs works. is a great commentator for mm -hmm. films. Oh, God. Okay? Because yeah. he's commenting. Mm hmm. 
Those guys are, are just, just making. Fun. They're just making fun. They're talking over the okay, damn film. Would you no. like to, to see that over like the original Doctor Who? They are fully taking the piss. That would make it interesting. We tried to watch original Doctor Who, and we couldn't even watch it. Not even one episode. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see them taking the piss over the original. Yeah, Doctor seriously, Who. that would be all right. And that's basically kind of what they're doing. That, yeah. that's sort of. You're talking movies like the giant Gila monster. Uh, t- uh, Teenage, I was a teenage alien. Yeah, yep. but they're like they're like interjecting little bits over it. The beatnik. It's not quite the same. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It I, it's just because you. they're saying out loud what, what so many thinking, of us yeah. are thinking while we're watching this awful movie. Yeah. And not only that, but they're making ridiculous left and right pop culture references. That show introduced me to so much pop culture I never yeah. knew existed because I didn't know what the heck they were talking about. That'll give, I absolutely. ended up finding out. That'll give you. Absolutely. And I, I both love and hate this guy for getting me hooked on MST because... Wow, did I spend a lot of years watching that, even after See, it went to sci-fi. I, that I have to avoid. I have enough media in my life right now. <laughs> and I they're all still doing it. Anymore. Yeah? Oh, they're all doing it still in wonderful ways. More power to Sir, them. Sir, what you got? Um, anybody that knows me knows I have a... Chicken fetish? Yes, a chicken <laughs> fetish. A furry costume. No. Knows, knows that I have a very, very... Affectionate love for chickens. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, love for waffles. Wow, this is actually right. derailing them. I love thing. Back to the Future. Oh, Back to yeah. the Future, the series. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Uh, one of my favorite series of all time. Uh, I loves me some time travel, but what mm-hmm. most people don't know is my first theatrical introduction to the time travel genre was a little film called The Final Countdown. Oh, my word. Uh, yeah, I'm pulling this out of left field. <laughs> wow. But this was a movie that really gripped me at that time because I was only about six years old when this movie came out. It came out in 1980. Um, my dad is a pilot, loves things to do with aviation, and this movie took place on an aircraft carrier. The USS Nimitz. It was the, the, at that time, it was the largest aircraft carrier ever. And I was truly fascinated by the fact that this is a big, huge, floating city. And they travel through this vortex that they, at the first, they think is just this crazy storm. And they go back in time to uh, just before the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. And they debate back and forth, should we interfere? Should we stop this event from happening? Should we let history play out? Because if we stop this from happening, where will we be? Will we ever be able to exist in our own time? Will we be able to get back home? It just, it truly dawned on me the complexities of time travel and the possible paradoxes and and all of this stuff. And, you know, anybody who's seen the movie knows that they do decide to try to stop the Japanese and the Vortex reappears and takes them back to their own time. So, uh, renders all the debate moot. But, I just loved the the intricacies of the discussions that are going on by these, you know, let's face it, military men a lot of times are not the smartest. They're very set in their ways. They don't really take input from others. They make their decision based on 
the data that they have, and they don't really do these scientific debate kind of things. But, uh, but yeah, it was just a movie that I truly adored, and I actually watched it not long ago, and I still liked it. I still thought it was really good. Stars Kirk Douglas and uh, a few other people whose names escape me right now, but I just remember Kirk Douglas as the captain of this the ship. So, final countdown. My cool. intro to the time travel yeah, man. series. Yeah, Deb, what else? That just totally reminded me of something, and I can't even remember what it was called. It was this movie... Well, first of all, it reminded me of Inner Space because I just yep. that's one of those movies that just sticks the images stick in my head. And I don't know how old I was when I first saw that. Love that movie. But there was this this Came movie. Came out like eighty seven, yeah, eighty eight. Uh, uh, Death to Smoochie. No, <laughs> that I love wow. this movie, and I can't rem- describe this movie. Okay, for us. so there's this little boy. Okay. And Daryl. So, no, his Lucas. Dad's in the military, and something happens, and he oh he finds like this computer desk. That has this code on it. That's cloak and dagger. Cloak and dagger. Oh uh, yes, that's a great yeah. movie. I Thank you. Movie. Got it in one. Who's the man? <laughs> I remember watching that movie and I Actually, that was Coleman. about your fifth. Yes, that was about your fifth guess, sir. Yeah. Suck it. It was my second uh-huh. guess. <laughs> but no, that movie totally got me into you know using your imagination to just kind of experience things around you in a different way, and. I don't. For some reason, that movie has always stuck with me. It's one of those things it's that a I great always movie. remember. Yeah, oh, a great yeah. Movie. They it's... showed that to us in sixth grade. That game exists, you know. <laughs> and yeah, Dagger, it does. I know. Yeah. I know. And it, yeah, it had a profound effect on me. Now that you mention it, because mm-hmm. he had his Jack Black figure yes! for, for his own little game. Yes. And, yeah, that kid was a gamer. He was already a gamer yep. geek before it was chic, man. Well, yeah. and it, and it totally Thomas, made you yeah. want to do the whole, you know, like. That's one of the things I really love about laser tag is it makes you feel like you're doing the whole right, you know, out of your own, making your way, killing people that are in your way. That opening thing. scene has yeah. has twelve foot tall, twelve sided die rolling toward the main character. <laughs> ah. That was awesome. No, I think another one too that um, the first like real fantasy, more adult movie that I remember my parents letting me watch. Was Beetlejuice? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and of course it was on TV. And, of course, of course, the clean version. But even then, like, you love horror. I can't do horror because, right. and I think I've told you guys this before. Ursula from The Little Mermaid gave me nightmares. That's how much I can't do. Horror. What? Oh yeah, cough. years, years Was I had nightmares about cough. her. Anyway, <laughs> so my parents let my sister and I watch Beetlejuice. <clears throat> And I liked the movie. I didn't think it was scary whatsoever. But then I try and go to sleep that night. And I can't. Every time I close my eyes, all I see is like those faces and images from when they were down in like... In the underworld. In the, in the underworld. In the, the office. Yes, in the waiting room and stuff. And the shrunken head guy. And like all this. It's all I kept seeing in my head. I could not fall asleep for the life of me. So I just remember screaming and crying in my parents. <laughs> I watched John Carpenter. Yeah, I come no. for your daughter. Chuck. No, and then I remember I I didn't watch any horror until Sarah Michelle yes. Gellar did that one horror movie back in two thousand and four. The Grudge. The nope. Grudge, oh, and I yeah. I wanted I went and saw it in the theater because I really like her. <laughs> oh my god! So, oh god, the guy I was with at the time he promised he wouldn't you know say anything, wouldn't do anything to freak me out. And all totally night, it was like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in the house was on. 
All the doors were wide open. Oh, hell no. There was, I was like checking out all the beds. I'm no. like, uh-uh. Closets. Lights are on. Closets. No wow. way. Uh-uh. That sounds like a very influential film. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> the geek that she is today. <laughs> All right, we're uh, we're winding down a little bit, so let's do the uh, quick round. You got a got a formed movie, Barry, with a quick sentence to follow it up. Dune and sci-fi, totally. He loves uh, Love Dune uh, because it's got some weird ass concepts in it. The David Lynch version, not that crappy sci-fi version. Um, David Lynch took it in some weird direction. I like the direction he took mm-hmm. it in. Uh, great costumes, great... We should uh, post a picture of you in your Dune costume. I, I, I love it so much, I made a Dune costume. I got the crazy blue eyes that go... You oh. actually made that? Oh, yeah, he made yeah. it himself. You never told me that when you showed it to he me. He taught me how to use the sewing machine. I learned to do wow. it. I learned to sew because I wanted to make a Dune costume that bad. Wow. And Torco got me a freaking Dune Chris knife. It's the awesome. <laughs> so... It compliments you well, sir. There you go. Kirsten. Hawk the Slayer. Hawk what the, the Slayer. Hawk the Slayer. Um, a, a, a director named Terry Marcel, who has actually done a couple of awful movies in his day, uh, partnered up with Harry Robertson, who is the gentleman who scored the Hammer Horror movies oh, of man. the 60s and 70s. And they got together to create a fantasy sword and sorcery epic. Hawk the Slayer, which is, it's a B-cult awful movie, but I loved it. We were in Kuwait. We didn't have a lot of movies. I had a pirate version of that. Watched it 10,000 times. Soundtrack, synthesizer. Imagine Ennio Morricone, who Mm -hmm. composed the soundtracks for all the spaghetti westerns, doing Renaissance riffs on a synthesizer to disco backbeats, and you have the soundtrack (laughs) for Hawk the the Slayer. Slayer. You want want an elf shooting arrows? Screw Legolas. Crow the elf with rapid-cut editing Flashing off real arrows, not CGI, over and over <laughs> Dude, again. I'm sold. I'm sold. It's just Jack Palance as Voltan, the villain. Voltan. Going after his brother Hawk, who has the, the last elfin mind sword. <laughs> Hawk the, the Slayer. Slayer. You had me at Jack Palance. <laughs> <laughs> Believe and it. Crow the Elf. Oh, no. And Crow the Elf. And uh, Baldin the Dwarf Ooh, and Gort the Giant. Great American hero. Anyway, now still at home, not allowed to watch any uh, horror movies and so on. But my grandmother's watching me. All right, and there's a movie I, I missed in the theater. Really want to see it. I set it to record, so I can watch this movie. Now, I'm sent to bed. It's past my bedtime, but I can hear this movie in the other room going on because my grandmother apparently has decided to watch this film for some <laughs> odd reason. <laughs> And the sound of this movie keeps me up. Is she not aware that the record button is on? No, my grandmother didn't know a VCR at the time. This is back when they were brand new. There's, there's made of metal. Yeah, there's the thing with lights <laughs> oh, yeah. on over In there. Huge big Urgh. box. Yeah, that is awesome. We had one no. of those. <laughs> and the next day. I finally watched this thing that kept me up all night, and it kept me up for later, to the point that I became obsessed with this film, Poltergeist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By Tobey Hooper, but actually Steven Spielberg. So, yes, so much to the fact that the clown of Poltergeist is, I consider, the pinnacle of horror. It exists here in Las Vegas at the Planet Hollywood. I'm not going to say if it turns up missing I had anything to do with it, because I didn't. Just saying. <laughs> 
But if anybody gets a hold of it, I will offer a nice up. <laughs> uh, by legal means. Legal means. Just saying. But I do. I, I, I try to find artwork regarding this thing. There's a company out there that purports to make one for $1,200, but it doesn't look right. Yeah, he's like, it looks like crap. But everything from the static on the television to the child-eating tree that gets sucked up for no reason by a tornado and bodies coming up through the unfinished pool to a, a black hole sucking the house in through it into some netherworld yet unaffecting the rest of the neighborhood. It's a mash of ridiculous, scary nonsense, and I adore it. It still kind of keeps me up to this day. <laughs> no other movie can do that. Awesome. What you got? Uh, so... In the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, my exposure to pop culture came from a little program created by Jim Henson called The Muppet Show. Yeah, The Muppet Show! And it's subsequently the Muppet movies. Uh, I grew up a Muppet babies, but you know. Well, this little little before your time, dear. Well, they make your dreams come true. Um, but yeah, the, the Muppet Show just really kind of opened my eyes to a lot of pop culture that I wasn't really aware was going on because, well, sure. Bible yeah. Belt. And <laughs> Sandy <laughs> Duncan. Sandy, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, I didn't know who Mark Hamill was. I was like, oh, it's Luke Skywalker. No, wait, it's an actor named Mark Hamill. Oh. Ah. Okay. But, dude, I was like six, okay? <laughs> no excuse. Five or, I was like eyes. five or six. Anyway, so uh, The Muppet Show, Jen, Jim Henson... Um, I guess a natural progression from Sesame Street because everybody seems to grow up with Sesame Street. Yeah. But, you know, my first true intro to Kermit the Frog and and the uh, the uh, troubles of running a theater full of puppets <laughs> and, and dealing with hecklers. And uh, I discovered something. It's like, I think as we all age, we really become Statler and Waldorf. No, you every, <laughs> everything sucks, <laughs> and everything sucks. And you know how you know, always have to make a crack about it, mm-hmm. some some humorous crack about what you're seeing when it when it sucks. But uh, yeah. no, I, I loved all the Muppet movies. Well, I say the Muppet movies because they've done more that I've not seen. Since. Muppet Show was his proving ground. Yeah. He did Muppet Show to show them that he could yeah. make a exactly. He could, he could technically yeah. put together something like the Muppet movie. Yeah, Joel Gray doing uh, Give Him the Old Razzle Dazzle. Yep. Um, 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 Paul Williams singing Just an Old Fashioned Love Song. Absolutely. It would, oh, that was, it was a great variety it, show. It was a great variety show. And, and sadly, there's really nothing like it on today. Variety shows have come and gone, but yeah. that was a good mix of humor and presentation of you yeah. know, what is going on. Because I really wasn't exposed to a lot of music. That was kind of a music outlet for me. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. frankly, in the car, my dad listened to Muzak. He had Saturday Night Live, Lawrence Welk, and the Muppet Show. Yeah, I, I stayed up to watch some Saturday Night Lives longer than I should have. Deb. Two things real quick, then. Yeah. Um, crap, and one just totally went out. Good story. Thanks. Auto Man, yeah, it was a good choice there, Deb. Auto Man. <laughs> Auto Man, Auto Man, yeah. Oh, no, okay. So, religious family, whatever, but we were allowed to watch Disney. And I remember oh, okay. one of my favorite, besides Robin Hood, Disney's Robin Hood, um, 
Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Oh. Oh, yeah. I loved that movie and the whole, you know, going into the comic book world and traveling, you know, on, on a bed, flying in the sky and, you oh. know, like. They let you have the witch movie. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, it's because <laughs> so it's Angela good. Lansbury. Right. Yeah. And, oh, the guy who played. Um, what a witch. He was also Mary Poppins. I can't remember his name. He was in a lot of Disney movies. Um, Dick Van Dyke? Yeah. No, it wasn't Dick Van nope. Dyke. It was the other gentleman. He's a British actor. He played oh. the Ralph father. Fiennes. He played the Baltimore. father in Mary Poppins. Anyway. Bone uh, Atkinson. I don't know. Anyway, that was that movie. I loved that movie. I still to this day I own. It's one of the ones I own on DVD. I've never made him sit through with me, but I've... You should. It's a, it's a good movie. Oh, I love How that movie. How about no? But then one from when I was a little kid, a freaking cartoon that my sister and I both... My twin sister is very different from me. She doesn't like any of this. She doesn't like Star Trek. She's not really into Star Wars. She's nothing. Okay? She Heathen wrote, killer! she wrote Princess Sorry. of Power, and I remember our friend Alita. Oh, God. Because she was the only girl in her family. She was kind of spoiled when we were growing up. And her parents bought her the full She-Ra set. So it was like oh, wow. her armbands and her sword and her shield and Oof. like the hat. Oh, every time we'd go up and play at her house, we were all fighting over who could wear what. And who got to have the shield this time? And who got to have the bracers this time? Oh, God, I love that cartoon. <laughs> so between the you girls, you were one She-Ra. Yes, one She-Ra. Yes. <laughs> and of course, Alita always like wouldn't let us wear them for very long because it was her stuff. Well, yeah. So even though she really didn't watch the cartoon. <laughs> Just like the costume. Uh-huh. So one of you got to be She-Ra, someone much. else had to be like Bo or whatever. He-Man, yeah, you know. But yeah, what was the name of the, the dude that was in that show? Bo. Bo? Bo. Bo. I know this because I hang out with Paul Mattingly. B-O-W. He had a bow. Not B-E-A-U, as in, you I know, thought it was like, like Bo as in Duke. Or Duke. From the South. Bo as in, he's a bow. Duke Twang. That does not of, hold up. A lot of today. creativity went into that <laughs> name. Oh yeah. <laughs> With how this is brother sword. Dude, whatever. His blacksmith cousin Anvil. Well, that's where Jamie got that name. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Quick side story, really quick. This is my older sister. You just had a revelation about your family? No. <laughs> She's six years older, so right. we, when we got to a certain age, my parents would let her babysit us. Now, right. granted, they did not do this very often because of this story. <laughs> so, Jamie oh, decides wow. that she's going to scare Jessica and I to freaking... She's going to scare the shit out of us. I like it already. She pretends that she has this alternate personality called Sword <laughs> that takes her, like, took over her body, and she, like, locks us in her closet... And says that if we come out or make any noise whatsoever, she's going to kill our sister. And so we stayed in there for two and a half hours. I kid you not. Jessica and I <laughs> crying and like just huddled in the corner in the dark. And this is where she okay. gets it. Now that's the more formative story I yeah. think we've heard tonight. <laughs> there we go. Screw the boyfriend with the comic book store. This, <laughs> this is makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, we always give a shit for that. It's not as scary as Twilight Zone, the movie, though. <laughs> and that's it for this yeah, special there you edition go. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our formative watching years. So until next week, I am Master Torgo. I am Dr. Vlard. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And Deb. And hey, let's do it again next week, shall we? Yeah, why not? And I'll go lock her in the closet. You better not. I swear to God. I know that. That's what comes through. You'll meet his alter ego, Halberd. <laughs> she knows Kung Fu. Don't poke me. Stop poking me.
anything you want to, man. 